Okay, good evening, everybody. I hope you all have an outline we're going to be referring to tonight. So tonight, the last uh, college meeting of the semester, we decided to save the best for last. (laughs) At least that's my opinion. Um, Tonight, we're going to cover a great topic in the Bible. And perhaps maybe by the end of the evening, we will consider that perhaps this is the greatest topic in the Bible. So let's all uh, look at your outline. Let's read the title together. It's very short and succinct. Ready? Go. The church. All right, brothers, again. The church. Sisters, again. The church. Okay. And if you see there, the verse I have tonight there, uh, Matthew 16, 18, is also the greatest prophecy in the Bible. Where Christ says in the gospel that he will build his church. Okay. So we got a lot to cover and we just need to get to it. So the first thing, Roman number one. It says here that the church is the eternal purpose of God. And let's read Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 together. How about sisters on 10 and brothers on 11? So in verse 11, the word purpose in Greek means plan. It means plan. So that means from eternity, God purposed a purpose. He planned a plan. God purposed and planned to have something from eternity. And this purpose is an eternal purpose, meaning he planned it from eternity, for eternity. Before God made anything, before he created anything, he already had a purpose. He already had a plan from eternity. And because it's an eternal purpose, that plan and that purpose is for eternity to come. And that is the church. In the whole universe, the church is the subject, the center, and the content of God's eternal purpose. Even though the church did not show up until the New Testament time, it is not a temporary matter, but rather rather the church is an eternal matter. Even though the church did not show up until the New Testament time, it was planned and purposed by God from eternity past. The church is in this age, it is throughout this age, but it is from eternity and it is for eternity. God planned in eternity past to have a church. And God expects in eternity future to come that there will still be a church. So the first thing we have to see concerning the church is that it is related to God's eternal purpose. If we were to ask God, if we somehow could be there in eternity past, God, what do you want? What are you planning? 
What are you purposing? What is your intention? What is the center, the subject, the content of everything you are going to do? He would say, the church. That's what I want. Okay? Then the second Roman numeral, let's look at that together and read that together. Ready? Okay, let's read that verse, Ephesians 3, 9. So what this verse tells us is before the New Testament time, before the church came into being, no one knew what God's purpose was. But rather the church was a mystery. A mystery means something that was hidden that no one knows. Since the beginning of the Bible, from the Old Testament, we see that God created the heavens he created the earth. He created thousands upon thousands of items. He created Adam. He created the human race, the human people. Yet, what are all these things for? It was a mystery. But if you look, right, it says here, in 11, the previous verse, verses we read, 10 and 11, the church according to his eternal purpose. But in 9, it says that this was a mystery throughout the ages hidden in God. <clears throat> if you talk to Abraham, if you ask Moses, if you ask David, why did God make the heavens? Why did he make the earth? Why did he make everything? They could not tell you. It was hidden to them. They would say, I don't know, it's a mystery. At best, the psalmist could say, the heavens glorify God. But I don't know why the heaven is there. Why man is here. But in Ephesians, Paul tells us this mystery of God's entire creation, the answer to that mystery is the church. Amen. God's intention is to have the church. Therefore, we can say everything is for the church. Amen. The heavens are for the church. The earth is for the church. Every item is for the church. Every man God created is for the church. Today is no longer a mystery. Let me ask you, is it a mystery to you? People today are wondering, why is there a creation? This mystery started from the beginning of God's creation. And one day the Lord Jesus came and he died, he resurrected, and he raised up a number of people. 
And to them, he began to reveal the mystery to them. They began to see the mystery. And today, we have to say, that mystery has been revealed to us in spirit. So I hope we would know what the mystery of the whole creation is. But also, what the whole creation is for. The whole creation is for God to have the church. Okay? <clears throat> All right. Let's move on to Roman number three. So, okay, let's read this together. Go ahead. <laughs> the nature, source, and essence of the church. Okay, so the first point we saw is the church is something of God's eternal purpose. The second point we saw is that this purpose was a hidden mystery. But now we need to ask, what is the church? What is it? What is it? Okay, the word, if I would ask you, what is the church? Some of you may quickly say, the church is the body of Christ. Some may say the church is the house of God. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. <clears throat> you know, since the early 1800s, the brethren, as a group of believers in England, they wrote many books on the church being the body of Christ and the house of God. I think nine out of ten times if someone asks you, what is the church, we would say, it's the body of Christ. And that is 100% correct. But both the body of Christ and the house of God are functions of the church. They do not tell us the source and the nature of the church. There is still something more subjective to the church than the body of Christ and the house of God. And the term that can help us see what is the source, the nature, even the essence of the church, and I want you to write this, this down, is INCREASE. You should write that in all caps. INCREASE. The church is the increase of Christ. Meaning, the church is Christ increased and enlarged. If a person were to grow a hundred times larger, he would still be the same person, except he has increased and he has enlarged. And that's what the church is. The church is Christ who has grown. He's gotten larger. The church is Christ's increase. Okay, the scriptural verse for this, to help us understand this, is John 3.30. So let's start there. Let's all together with a strong spirit. Let's read John 3.30 together. Okay, so first, I'm going to tell you what this verse doesn't mean. Then I will tell you what it does mean. And I want to tell you this because for a long time, I thought I knew what it meant, and I was wrong. Okay, but then I got some help. So, <clears throat> I have used this verse in fellowshipping with other people to tell them that, see... 
Christ must increase and you must decrease. Meaning as I continue on my spiritual experience and journey with the Lord, there should be more Christ in me. Christ should be increasing in me and my old, fallen, decrepit, sinful life should decrease. And I've used this verse many times this way. And I've heard others share along the same line. But when we read this verse in the context in which it is written in John 30, we will see that it is altogether a different meaning. Okay? So we're going to start back at the top here. So in 26 it says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, they here are the disciples of John. Rabbi, he, referring to the Lord Christ, he who was with you across the Jordan, of whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. Okay, I want to bar borrow a couple of brothers here. Josh, you're going to be my John the Baptist tonight. John was a wild and crazy man. Okay, I want you over here. Okay, now John, John had a head start on the Lord. He was about six months or so older. They were cousins. And John began his ministry baptizing people. And as he was doing this, he began to gain disciples. So, come on, disciple. So, John gains a disciple. Okay. And John the Baptist... He's going to teach him how to do the same thing. Then, John gains another disciple. And then, Will, John gains another disciple. Okay, then one day, the Lord Jesus, see, why don't you come here, bro? The Lord Jesus, he also comes to John, but not to be his disciple, to be baptized by him. <laughs> then after that day, the Lord starts to gain some disciples. I want you to come. Okay, he say, why don't you come? Tim, why don't you come? Brian? So he's gaining disciples. And so John's disciples are not happy with this. They said, he who was with you across the Jordan, of whom you have testified. Behold, he starts, he starts baptizing people. And then maybe one of John's disciples will say, well, I'm going to come over here. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay, you guys get tight. Get in tight here. Get in tight here. Y'all get in tight. Okay. John answered, verse 27. John answered and said, A man cannot receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves testify of me that, that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Then, you got to pay attention now. This is, when, this is where the understanding of 30 starts to come out. Then he says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. So John says, Jesus, he's the bridegroom. It's a term we don't use anymore. We just only say groom now. It's an older term. He is the bridegroom, meaning the groom who has the bride. 
He is the bridegroom. He said, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. So John said, don't you know? That's the bridegroom. And this is his bride. This is his bride. Then he goes on. But the friend of the bridegroom, that's what you are, okay. who stands and hears him, rejoices with joy because of the bridegroom's voice. Amen. This joy of mine, therefore, is made full. Now, remember, this begin with John's disciples saying, all are coming to him. All are coming to him. People are coming to him. They're no longer coming to you anymore. Mm. They weren't happy. At first, you guys were getting people. But now, all are coming to him. People are coming to him. Then John says, those people are the bride. Okay, based on that, then John should say, he should increase with people. And I should decrease with people. Really, I mean, you should go there too. Don't stick with me. I can't save you. You need Christ to save you. So John understood, I should decrease. My people should go over there. He should increase. More people, all are coming to him. That's what he should have said. He's increasing with people. Or the people over there are increasing. But John doesn't say that. He says he must increase. He refers to all these increase as he. Do you see that? All these ones are the increase and enlargement of Christ. Amen. The Lord needs all to come to him so that he can have an increase. That increase is just him getting bigger. You see that? John is saying he's increasing with people, or the people are his increase. John say he... He must increase. He is the one who's increasing. Initially, there was just one Christ. But then one day, he receives Christ. So now there's Christ here too. And then another day, he receives Christ. There's Christ here too. It's not in the universe. There are three people with Christ in them. And then one day, another person received Christ. And there's Christ here too. And again, and again, and again, and again. And this is how Christ gets larger. Amen. Amen. This is how he is increasing. Amen. This is how he gets bigger. Amen. And I love this term. John said he must, he must increase. It's not an option. Christ wants an increase. Amen. He must increase. It is not a small thing for the Lord to save sinners and gain people and bring them into the church because they become his increase. Amen. Otherwise, he would just be a little person. The Lord wants to get bigger. And that biggerness, I don't know to say, is just him increasing. Don't think that having more people come to the club, come to Thursday night, come to the Bible study, come to the home meeting. Don't think that's a small thing. No. John didn't believe so. He says, must. This has to happen. 
The Lord needs more people. He needs more men to be redeemed and regenerate with him so that there's more Christ on the earth. Because he must increase. I hope when those of you who are participating in the summer internship would have this kind of view, that when you're meeting freshmen this summer, okay, and, and, and if they would receive your fellowship, receive the gospel, come to know the Lord, whether this summer or over the course of the college career, that's not a small thing. But you are what? You're fulfilling John 3.30. Listen, we don't, we don't talk a lot about numbers. We re- really don't. Okay? We like quality. Who doesn't like quality? Okay? But I'm sorry. John was very clear. He said there has to be a quantity. All are coming to him. He said that has to happen. People need to come to the Lord. This summer we should pray this way. Lord, how about more people? Amen. More freshmen. More young Lovers of Christ Amen. who would come to know you, Amen. who would be a part of the church, Amen. who would be part of your eternal purpose. Amen. This is what the Lord wants. Okay? All right. Thank you, brothers. I, I, I just would say, you know, we have to have a higher view than just doing a work in the summer, you know. Uh, we have to have a higher view than passing out a tract, shaking hands, saying hi to somebody, inviting them to come and get some ice cream when it's so hot outside. We have to have a higher view than that. It's not just about looking someone in the eye and smiling and saying hi. We have to have a higher view than that. It's not just about reading the Gospel of John with somebody. That's too low. Yes, there are numbers. The Lord wants that number because He must increase. Because that increase is the church. That increase is Christ being enlarged on the earth. We have, to have a, we have to have a more intrinsic, subjective view of what's happening this summer. That when we're meeting people, and when we're inviting people, and when people sign up, that we are touching something of Christ's increase on the earth. Not just some activity or some work or some ministry we're carrying out. But 2,000 years ago, John says, this must happen. This has to happen. He must increase. So that's what the church is. The church isn't a building. It isn't even a meeting on Sunday. We should... What is that? Where do you go to church? The church is Christ enlarged. It's just... Christ in man enlarge and increase. And there's more Christ than there was before. And for the last 2,000 years, that's what the Lord's been doing. And so when he says, I will build my church, that's what he wants. He wants to increase in Christ. Okay? All right.
Let's go to the last point, <clears throat> Roman numeral four. Okay, the last one says the church, we'll come back to the first two things. The church uh, here is the, uh, sorry, the Roman numeral four, the function of the church. Okay, brothers, why don't you read Ephesians 1, 22 and 23? That talks about the body of Christ. And after that, sister, can you read 1 Timothy 3, 3.15? That talks about the house of God. Ready? Brothers, go. And he subjected all things under his feet, and gave them to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Sisters. So according to the verse here in Ephesians, to Christ, the church is a body, and Christ is the head. Okay? The church is a body, his body, and Christ is the head. Then according to 1 Timothy, to God, the church is a house. And God is the resident of that house. D-E-N-T. And the church is his residence, D-E-N-C-E. <clears throat> okay? So to Christ, the church is his body, and he is the head. To God, the church is his house for him to dwell in. And he is the resident of that residence. And really, in principle, both are the same. They function in the same way. The body is a container to contain the life of the head. The house is also a container. As a residence, it contains the resident who lives in the house. Okay, so where is Christ contained? He's contained in the body. Where is God contained? He's contained in the house. Okay, however, in principle they're the same, yet there is still a slight difference, okay? With the body, the main point is the body is a container to express the life which it contains. Hence, with the body is mainly for expression. So, for example, without a body, we don't have a way to express, but yet we are expressed through talking and walking and our action. So, with the body, the main point is expression. So the church, as the body of Christ, functions to express him and his life. Okay? The main point of a house is not expression. Not expression. The main point of a house is three words. Rest, completion, and accomplishment. Say that again. The main function of a house is rest, completion, and accomplishment. To accomplish something, we need a house. For example, you may want to sell books. Then you would need a room in a house in order to sell books. Therefore, a house is not just a place for rest, but it's for completing a purpose. So the house of God is for God to rest, but it's also for God to complete his purpose. 
So Christ needs the church to express him, and God needs the church, sorry, Christ needs the church as the body to express him, and God needs the church as the house to rest and to do his will and to accomplish his eternal purpose. Okay. So tonight, what I presented to you, I would say, is the big picture of the church. There are many little details which we just don't have time. But tonight, if you could walk away with something, you see that the church is not a small matter, not a temporary matter, not even just something only for this age. And when Christ comes back, the church is over. No. The church was planned and purposed by God from eternity past. And he expects the church to be there in eternity future to come. It was hidden for a long time, but finally to his apostles and prophets, in spirit he revealed, them to, he revealed it to them, and then we, he has now revealed it to us as well. And what is it? What is the church? The church is the increase of Christ. And that increase is people who are being redeemed and regenerated with Christ himself as their life. So that what? So that as the body, the church would express Christ, and as the house, the church would be for God's rest, God's accomplishment, and completion of his eternal purpose. Okay? All right, so that does it for tonight. There's a little reading in the back. So why don't we break up in some groups and read for about 10 minutes and have some overflow after that.